Scott Branson here from Silver and Black tonight, Mightier 1090. Are you on your way to have a fun time in Las Vegas? Well, if for some crazy reason you get injured in either California or Nevada, what happens in Vegas doesn't need to stay in Vegas. Sam and Ash Injury Lawyers are the people's attorneys and experts in both states. People, choose the right lawyer. Sam and Ash have an impeccable track record, huge wins for accident victims, and always take your case all the way even across state lines. They care, they help you win. The ones to trust have hurt in any sort of accident, Sam and Ash Injury Law. That's 1-800-304-2000. That's 1-800-304-2000 or samandashlaw.com. There's only one nation, Raider Nation. You're listening to Silver and Black Tonight on the Mightier 1090. All right, Raider Nation, Southern California. That's right, Raider Talk on the air. San Diego, Los Angeles, up to the Central Coast. You can talk Raider football. This is Silver and Black Tonight, brought to you by our friends Sam and Ash, the injury lawyers. You can call them 1-800-304-2000 or check them out at samandashlaw.com. We thank them for their support. Oh, Raider Nation, listen, you've been repping in Southern California for all these years. You have not had local talk in SoCal around your beloved Silver and Black. That all changes tonight. Hi, everybody. I am Scott Branson. I am your host of this show. I'll be joined by my co-host, Mr. Mo Moten, coming up here in a second. If you're not familiar with the show... We have been on the air for three years in Las Vegas, first at CBS Sports Radio there, later with Raider Nation Radio, where I hosted a daily show uh, called Silver and Black Today. Now we're in Southern California on the 50,000-watt blowtorch that is the Mightier 1090 local sports for SoCal. And, of course, a big congratulations and tip of the hat to the guys on the L.A. football show you heard just before us. Listen, who else is starting to give you all this local talk around football in Southern California? Rams, Raiders, and now the Chargers there in Los Angeles. But this is all about the Raiders. And this show is going to delve deep. We're going to have guests every week whether they be players, whether they be uh, media members from around the country. We're talking A-list guests. We're not talking about B-list guests you've never heard of. Today, in fact, our guest coming up here in just a few minutes will be Michael Lombardi, of course, the former GM of the Cleveland Browns. He also worked in the front office of the Raiders. He also worked in the front office as a special assistant to Bill Belichick in New England. He's going to talk to us uh, about the Raiders, where they're at, the state of the Raiders, if you will, heading into the 2021 season. He's been pretty open about his feelings about whether or not John Gruden can be a personnel guy in the NFL. So we'll find out where he thinks they're at. But first, got to bring you in to uh, to who's on the show and what we're going to do here. So every week we'll hear we'll be here talking about Raider football, the latest, the greatest news, as I mentioned, guests. But the man doing it with me, my partner in crime every week here on the Mightier 1090 talking Raider football on Silver and Black tonight will be Mr. Mo Moten. Mo is a national reporter, a writer for Bleacher Report covering the entire NFL but he's covered the Raiders for 14 years, so he knows what he's talking about. Follow him on Twitter at Mo M O E 
M-O-T-O-N. He's the best guy to follow on Twitter because you know what? He tells it like it is. If you want it candy-coated, you won't like him. If you are a hater, you won't like him. He's going to give it to you straight. He's going to give it down to the middle. And now I bring in my partner, and I call him the Archduke of Avocado, and I'll tell you why in just a minute. But here is my partner, Mo Moten. Mo, how you doing tonight? I'm absolutely ready for this, Scott. I'm, I'm ready for it. Preseason football again. Uh, I, I need my fix. Got a little taste and need a little more of it. <laughs> That's right. Coming up this weekend, obviously, the Raiders and the Rams, they are actually in Los Angeles now. They've been there uh, since late Tuesday and have been, have been conducting practices against one another to, to get some just action in, if you will. Now, Mo, one of the big stories this week, we got to touch on it uh, before we move on and get to uh, Michael Lombardi, who's going to be our guest here next on Silver and Black tonight here on the Mightier 1090, brought to you by Sam ash but mo the vaccine so here's the deal the raiders announced this week mark davis had a press conference the raiders announced that if you're going to go to a raider game at allegiant stadium in las vegas you must be vaccinated and show proof of vaccination i.e the clear app which is basically a digital way of doing it but this is really the first the raiders were the first nfl team to mandate vaccine for people to go if you don't have the vaccine you can get vaccinated at the game, but then you have to wear a mask, obviously, because you just got vaccinated. What do you think about this story? You know, again, the vaccine, I know for some people it's hard to understand, but the vaccine for some people is polarizing. What did you think of this announcement and the Raiders taking the stand? Yeah, I'm not surprised about this. I I will say I I don't see every team following suit right away, only because there, there are government decisions involved with this of right. course mark davis working with the governor of las vegas um but of nevada but you have to you have to understand that this is this is bigger than just the nfl issue you know like i said governments are going to be involved in making these decisions so based on where you live that can impact what that nfl team does for instance in new york city over here i know i know this is nba news but the brooklyn nets you also have to be vaccinated to attend games so again it depends on where you live in your jurisdiction. Yeah, and, 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 you know, we're not here to tell people it's right or wrong. You know, I got vaccinated. My workplace wanted me to get vaccinated. I got vaccinated. I haven't had any issues. But, you know, for some people who believe it's a personal choice and they don't want to be forced to do it, and they're Raider fans. I heard from them last night as this news broke and I tweeted it out. Excuse me, this week I, I tweeted it out and I said, hey, look, here's the deal. And there was a lot of reaction both ways. Now, it's Raider Nation. So no matter what you talk about, <laughs> there's going to be there's going to be battle over it. Um, but it was interesting because the Raiders, too, Mo, have said, hey, listen, if you bought tickets to come to the game or if you're a season ticket holder, I should say, uh, or PSL holder and you don't agree with it and you don't you don't agree to be vaccinated then we will give you, in essence, a credit for your money back and that you can apply towards next season, which was interesting, which is, I think, shows that the Raiders, Mo, thought about this before they did it and made an option there for their most most loyal customers, which are the ones who plunked down all that money for PSLs. Right, and this decision comes down and people, they obviously know that there are, it's an issue that divides our, our country right now. People still are not vaccinated. People are still pushing back against it. And it, people are already on Twitter, on social media, saying, oh, I'm not going to go to the games. And there's a, there's arguments and debates. Well, you were never a fan if you don't want to get vaccinated and watch your, your team play. And 
people are already saying I'm going to sell my tickets and other people are stepping up and say, I'll buy your ticket. So a lot of bartering going on already. So it, it'll shake out before week one eventually. It will for sure. And and the only thing I don't like about it, look, a lot of people were happy. A lot of people uh, have different, like you said, different views on what's going on in the country with vaccines and with COVID and the continued kind of focus on it and the health concerns that some have versus some that don't. And the only thing that I don't like about it, not, not about what the Raiders did, but just in general, is that it just takes away from football. Again, you know, last year, this was the storyline. And now, again, it appears to be that way. But if you want to attend a Raider game, Southern California, if you want to go out to Vegas and have a great weekend and have some fun, you're going to have to get vaccinated to go to the game. So we'll see how that all ends up and how it affects the uh, ticket prices, too. All right, Mo, it's time to bring on our guest. All right, we go out on the Silver and Black Tonight hotline, and we bring in Michael Lombardi, former GM of the Cleveland Browns, of course, senior personnel executive with the Raiders, so many more positions, special assistant to Bill Belichick in New England. Yes, he has three Super Bowl rings. Uh, He's a best-selling author, writes at The Athletic. He's the host of one of my favorite podcasts out there, the GM Shuffle, where you'll hear football and Sopranos, which I love. Uh, And one of my favorite things that you do, Michael, the Daily Coach. Uh, I read it up on Substack. Of course, get the emails every day. As someone interested in leadership, business, no matter what you do for life, I, I appreciate what you guys are doing, you and Coach Raveling at The Daily Coach. Well, we really appreciate you supporting us. I mean, it's, it's a labor of love. And Coach Rav, Alex, Kamadi, and, and myself, we all enjoy Trevor. We have five people that are kind of – that work on it. And uh, it's really been one of, the, one of the most prideful things that I've been able to be a part of, including Super Bowls. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, it's really impactful on a daily basis. Make sure you go sign up for it. It will have a difference or make a difference in your life. All right, Michael, let's jump in. Of course, talking Raider football. And I wanted to start somewhere. I wasn't really going to start here first when I when I thought about talking to you. But in, in the last couple of weeks, there's been a lot of change in the Raider organization yet again. Mark Bedane surprised everybody, stepped aside as president of the Raiders. This is the man who really worked hard, basically lived two lives, getting the team moved to Las Vegas after relocation was approved did that surprise you and what does that tell you maybe about what's happening inside the Raider organization well I you know look I love Mark to death I mean I've worked with Mark uh you know he was the chief financial officer when I was there and then he moved himself up to become the president he's really responsible for the move to Vegas he's responsible for the stadium he's responsible for the practice facility I mean all those things would have never happened without the vision without the guts and without the business acumen of Bedane. And so, you know, as a kid who got started at the Raiders was answering the phones because his grandfather was Al Davis's basketball coach, yep. you know, he's reached great levels and, and I have tremendous respect for him. So sometimes in life we run our course, we kind of feel like, okay, I can't do anymore. My health becomes more important than actually what I'm doing. So I wish him luck. I think, you know, as Raider fans, there's the business side of the Raiders. And then there's the football side of Raiders. And Gruden runs all the football side. So for the fans, the business side really is its not a worry. The football side is all controlled by John, and everybody works for John. You know, everybody reports to John. 
so I think things will stay the same. Yeah, and that's where I wanted to start, too, with you, Michael, because the times we've had you on the show over the last couple of years, we've talked about Gruden, and he's now going into year four, and you've always said and been very blunt and specific about, hey, John as a coach versus John as a GM slash CEO personnel guy in the NFL, and some of you know the, the, the thought that you had was, hey, can he be disciplined enough to stick to a plan to get the players that he needs to turn the corner with the Raiders. Well, we're now into year four. We've seen ups and downs. Where is he in that development uh, as being the personnel, being the head honcho with the Raiders and making those calls? Well, I mean, he feels like his team's better this year, so we shall see. I mean, look, let's put things on the table. Since he, since the Super Bowl win in 02 when he beat us, you know, with Brad Johnson and all of Tony Dungy's defensive players, John's a 43% winning percentage coach in his career, you know, and he's had a lot of, a, a lot of success offensively, but being able to put the things together in Tampa, you know, after he won the Super Bowl, he hired Bruce Allen to be his general manager, but really John was running things as well. So since he's been in charge of organizations and building them, he's a 43% winning percentage coach. He's 19 and 29 as the Raider head coach. Now, this, is, this isn't because I don't like John. This is just facts. And John is a really good offensive coach. But there's times where he has to be the head coach. He has to be the, the chief figure-out officer. And I mm-hmm. think sometimes that really affects his judgment. You know, we talked when he traded for Khalil, when he traded Amari Cooper away or Khalil Mack. We said, okay, is he going to be able to utilize those draft picks in a more positive way? And I haven't seen it. You know, Kellen Farrell... Jonathan Abrams. I mean, I haven't seen it. You know, now, to me, it's going to have to be proven this year, year four. If he didn't have a 10-year contract for for $100 million, he would be on a hot seat. Now, we know Peter King was out there, and nobody thinks he's on the hot seat. But I think he's on the hot seat from his own personal, because he's got to prove to people that he can be a winning coach in the league. And he's in one of the hardest divisions in football. Uh, just just jumping in here, uh, you just mentioned about the first-round picks and John maybe should put himself on the hot seat. And as you said, Gruden runs the show in Las Vegas. So would you say, would you think that Mike Mayock is on the hot seat with some of how the first-round picks have underperformed? Cleveland Farrell, well, Damon I, Arnett are backers right now. I mean, Go look, you, you know, you could put Mike on the hot seat, but the buck stops with John. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, Belichick runs everything in New England. Their first-round picks don't work out. They still win. He doesn't put the personnel director on the hot seat. I mean, he assumes the responsibility. I mean, John had all the responsibility. Look, did, we, did anybody think Cleveland Farrell was the first top five pick? Nobody did. You know, and the Raiders could say they couldn't trade down. Did anybody think Leatherwood this year was the first-round pick? No. You know, but they took him. So they've been out there taking players that they like because that's what they like. And you can blame Mike, and certainly Mike's got some responsibility in these decisions. But Mike's not going to be able to change John's mind once he makes it up. So just want to focus on that defense. I, I read one of your articles on The Athletic. Um, you wrote about what ASC teams will worry about this summer. You mentioned uh, Gus Bradley relies on talent, not complex schemes. And I thought that was interesting because a lot of the players, Raiders defenders last year, thought they were thinking too much and not reacting under Paul Gunther. So I know you question whether the Raiders have enough talent on that side of the ball, but what did you think of the Gus Bradley hire? Was it do you think it was good enough or exactly what they needed? Well, I mean, look, you know, I think Gus's defense relies, that scheme relies on a really good front four. And and it's a zone concept that relies on a Mike linebacker that can really run. So 
So you got to have Bobby Wagner. You got to have Earl Thomas. You got to have you know Cam Chancellor. You've got to have Cliff Averill. You've got to have Michael Bennett. You've got to have these kind of players. I'll ask you the question back: Do the Raiders have those kind of players? I don't think so. I mean, they brought Carl Joseph back. Nobody misses more tackles than Carl Joseph does when he has to play at high safety, except for Abraham Abrams. Now, maybe the kid they drafted Mooring from TCU can improve. Maybe he will. We shall see. But to me, the scheme is very simplistic. The scheme is about letting the players play as fast as they can. That's great. But it also is great for the opposing quarterback because he knows what front they're in and he knows what coverage they're in. And the game plans are fairly going to attack those. Now, I'm sure the Raiders felt like, look, you know, this scheme has always given, you know, has always given Kansas City a lot of trouble. We shall see. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. We're talking to Michael Lombardi again. Of course, you can follow him online and check out his podcast, which is the GM Shuffle podcast, and read him up on The Athletic. Um, when we look, Michael, at this Raiders team, speaking of the talent, and you talked about you named some names there on whether or not the Raiders had a talent up front. The Raiders had just have been terrible on defense. They've gotten better. It cost them a lot of games last year. They went out and they got some guys who have high upside, but there's a lot of questions about them. Uh, Unique Ngakwe, of course, Gerald uh, Young. You have all these guys coming in. They're trying to find you know some magic in a bottle. When you look at what they did on the defense, player personnel-wise, are they at least getting closer to being respectable? Well, I mean, and Dockways, this will be his fourth team in two years, right? Mm-hmm. So he gets traded from Jacksonville to Minnesota. I thought it was a good trade. He gets up to Minnesota, and basically he runs past the quarterback. He drives Zimmer crazy. Even though they gave up a third-round pick for him, they trade him. They trade him to Baltimore, who needs a pass rusher. And when he's in Baltimore, they get frustrated with him because all he does is run up the field. You can't run up the field as a defensive end. The quarterback has yet to turn in that direction. Once you go past the quarterback – it becomes a 10-on-11 game, and the defense is one man short. And so he's got to learn to power inside. He's got to be able to do that. Daryl McCoy's got to prove he can stay healthy. You know, So they've got a lot of things that they have to prove in that defensive front. Is Max Crosby a down and every down player? We shall see. You know, Now the corner situation, I think, gets by because they're going to be a cover three scheme. Mm-hmm. It's going to be more zone than it's man-to-man. But eventually you're going to have to place a man-to-man, especially on third down. So – you know, I think to me to run this scheme, you got to be really good in the defensive front, and that's where I don't see it with the Raiders. Yeah, and, and there's been less talk. We we've talked to you in the past too about, of course, Derek Carr, which happens to be one of the favorite subjects of half of Raider Nation <laughs> who don't like him, and half of Raider Nation who think he can do no wrong. Uh, but when you look at it this offseason, there was less chatter about that because John Gruden has shown his commitment, or at least um, his his desire to spend money in other spots, and so Derek Carr now goes into a year. Um, uh, after a good year last year where he had, didn't win again, but he comes into this season in a, basically a contract year because uh, they've said, hey, we want to talk to you about an extension, but not until after this year. Is this finally going to be the year where Derek Carr is really going to have to go out, show that he can lead his teams to win if he wants that next NFL contract with the Raiders? Well, I mean, look, Carr's really played well. He's improved. Mm-hmm. He's averaged seven, nine yards per attempt last year, the best he's ever done in his career. They've gotten him to throw the ball down the field, you know, but there's always a two or three plays when the play breaks down. Does he make the plays? Can he win those games? And then there's the games like Atlanta where we turn the ball over, we're loose with it in the pocket. Yeah, I think it's a critical season, but here's the problem that they have for Raiders. Are you going to pay him $40 million a year? Because, you know, that group of players that he's in, the, the Baker Mayfield, the Kirk Cousins, that group, guys that rely on the scheme to help their talent level, you know, the Ryan Tannehill, 
those guys are really valuable when they're making $20 million a year. When they're making 40, you're paying them a lot more money. And this is a very tough situation for the Raiders. If they let them go, you know, and they, they draft a quarterback, I could see that. I thought they would draft one. I really did. Mm-hmm. Look, I think Carr's a good player. I think Carr's improved. There's no doubt. You can win with Carr. It wasn't Carr's fault that the defense was as bad as it was last year. It wasn't Carr's fault that they couldn't stop, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick with, with, with less time in the game and they come down and lose that game. You know, it wasn't his fault that, you know, the defense almost gave up the Jets game. So the reality of it is, is he's doing what he can. It's just not always to the elite level that he's not a top 10 player. He's in that second tier. And that second tier is going to get 40. If you have to pay that player 40 million, that takes away from the rest of your team. Yeah, no, I agree with that. It's a, it's a tough spot to be in uh, because if he goes out and he performs well, you then have to make the choice on whether or not you're looking at the future and if you want to give a quarterback of that caliber that kind of money or if you need to start thinking about uh, uh, moving on and finding a younger option uh, or a bridge option at least. Michael Lombardi, thank you so much for joining us. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at NFL. Michael, as always, thank you so much for being generous with your time. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. All right. There you go. Thanks, Michael. Michael Lombardi. Okay. Well, that's going to wrap up the first segment here on the initial, the inaugural Silver and Black tonight here on the Mightier 1090 up and down the West Coast, giving Raider Nation what they need, and that is a talk show about your beloved silver and black here in Southern California. When we come back after the break, Mo Moten and I will be back. We'll be talking about the Raiders and their practices this week with the Los Angeles Rams. In addition to that, we'll talk about some of the question marks still out there. What do you want to see in this next preseason game down at SoFi tomorrow night in Los Angeles against the Rams? What do you have to see from these Raiders, but we'll talk about that when we come back. You're listening to the 1090. Yes, the mightier 1090. SoCal Sports, like you want it, Raider Nation. This is Silver and Black tonight. Scott and Mo will be back right after this. Don't you go anywhere. We will be right back with Silver and Black tonight on the mightier 1090. SoCal Sports Talk. Hey everybody, Scott Branson here, Silver and Black tonight. Did you know, Raider Nation, that 90% of the people that get into an accident don't realize that they have rights, justice to be served, and free access to great lawyers? Call Sam and Ash Injury Law at 1-800-304-2000. So much more goes into choosing the right lawyer. The details matter. Sam and Ash Injury Lawyers, more expertise and more caring. It's Sam and Ash Injury Law. Save this number, 1-800-304-2000. LA very own 1-800-304-2000 or salmonashlaw.com because you deserve what's right. Now back to Scott and Moe on Silver and Black tonight on the Mightier 1090 AM. That's right. Welcome back, Southern California, your only All Raiders talk show. This is Silver and Black tonight. Scott Branson, Mo Moten, we are your guides through 
all that is Raider Nation this week. Talk about the offensive line. You know, we go back to last week, the game uh, in Las Vegas uh, against the Seahawks. And one of the things that we talked about on our podcast last week, right, was about this offensive line. To you, it was the key to going in and seeing kind of the big question mark as the Raiders come out of camp and go into the preseason. Uh, what did you see from that offensive line? And then we'll hear from Coach Gruden and what he has to say. But uh, last week you said, hey, this is this is the point. We got to see what they are able to do. What did you see from at least half the line? Because half the line didn't play. The veterans didn't play. But when you look at guys like Alex Leatherwood, the rookie, when you look at Andre James, the center, what did you like and what maybe did you see that you want to see more of before you can make a, a uh, decision on where they are right now? I'll, I'll go with a positive and a negative. I'll give the good news first. The one thing I did see is, you know, I know it's people are going to say it's against backups, but you, you want to see your guys get a push up front because, as we all know, Rita loves to run the football, and we saw a lot of that with B.J. Edmonds and uh, Trey Regas. So that line got a good push up front and, and run blocking. So it's, that's good to see because during the regular season, I know you said only half that line played, but you know you're going to get a big dose of Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake. So... Plus for the for the run blocking, I will say there were some slip ups in pass protection. Alex Leatherwood may have to clean up a few things. I thought Andre James was solid. The one thing I do worry about is the depth there. The Raiders better hope Colt Miller plays most of the season because yeah. Jared Jones Smith did not have a good day at the office. I believe he gave up two sacks, three uh, three quarterback pressures. So if the Raiders have an issue, the Raiders may have an issue with depth. They better hope their line specifically at the tackle position, stays relatively relatively healthy. Well, and Mo, we talked about this last week, right, was about that depth and the fact that it was key, especially with as great as Richie Incognito has been when he plays, uh, and Raider fans love Incognito. They love the fight in him coming back from the injury, even at his advanced age as far as football years go. Uh, they have some unproven young talent there. You still have a John Simpson who's trying to develop. You still have a Brandon Parker who I thought played pretty well but he does always play pretty well at certain times. But when you look at that, and you talked about this before too, Richie Incognito, you don't know how many games you're going to get him. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think John Simpson, as I said, the pass protection up front wasn't great, but but John Simpson has time to to pick that up, and he's got a couple of preseason games left. As you said, with Richie Incognito, his age coming off a major injury, you don't expect him to play in the preseason. So John Simpson is going to get a lot more reps. So you would hope that he, he shows improvement as time goes on. So that's something to look out for in the next preseason game. What about Andre James? What did you think of his performance? I know it's hard because you're dealing with, with, with Nate Peterman back there, who we'll talk about in a second. But you, you don't have the starting quarterback. And I, I said to you before the show and on our podcast last that, hey, you know, that exchange between the center and the quarterback is so important. And to get into the rhythm of doing that and knowing each other uh, so you're thinking on the same plane, uh, what did you think? his performance overall and what he was able to do i thought he was pretty solid um i, I wouldn't again i wouldn't overreact to one preseason game <laughs> what you don't want do you to mean? see is you this, this is raider nation <laughs> man you're either winning the super bowl or you're the worst team ever I, i'm sorry Andre james is going to be a pro bowler <laughs> my bad on that one. <laughs> like, like, like tanner muse but we'll get to tanner muse later <laughs> absolutely but it, you know he was solid what you don't want to see is you don't want to see any high snaps uh snaps that are too low just just erratic snaps because as you said once the regular season starts you don't want to see a sloppy exchange between your center and your quarterback because that could absolutely kill a drive so i thought andre james 
was pretty solid for um, his first time out there in preseason. Yeah, and, and the media asked to uh, John Gruden this week uh, as they were leaving for Los Angeles earlier in the week, they asked them uh, asked Gruden about the play of both James and Leatherwood in the offensive line, especially coming off that performance last weekend uh, in Las Vegas against the Seahawks. Here's what Gruden had to say. Pretty good. You know, Andre uh, off to a good start. I think uh, Alex, uh, same thing. We got to clean up some of our rules, rules. Um, but um, all in all, a, a really good start. That opening drive, I think, was 14 plays. And I think, as I said the other night, uh, we converted a number of third downs. So- uh, classic Gruden. Little smart ass, a little, <laughs> a little fluff. Rules, rules, <laughs> yes, rules. Um, but yeah, rules obviously is assignments, right? I mean, you talked about the the mm-hmm. breakdown and pass coverage throughout, uh, especially uh, at certain spots in that game, and that's just that's just part of young players developing. I think you know we get spoiled when you see players. Even Colton Miller, that first year had struggles, mostly due to an injury. But even these guys who come out as as lauded first round draft picks into the NFL out of college and, and, and go top 10 pick on offensive line, they have trouble. It's, it's a faster game, Mo. I mean, that, that adjustment doesn't just happen overnight for most guys. There are a handful where they're just so dang good it happens, but you got to give these guys time, right? Right, and two things I just want to point out. Number one, it's not supposed to look perfect in the first preseason game. <laughs> Andre James, you know, Andre James played fewer than 200 snaps in his career. Alex Leatherwood's a rookie. You would expect him to go out there and look and look like Tyron, you know, Tyron Smith of the Dallas Cowboys in their first night out. So give them some time. But as Gruden said, overall positive performance out there. And I, and I think they were both solid. But I think the run blocking is further ahead than the pass protection right now as we speak. Thinking, uh, talking about running the ball, Mo, uh, Trey Regis, you know, they're calling him Trey Vegas Regis now. Of course, we don't know if he'll make the roster. And as you mentioned, and as we want to make the disclaimer throughout this show, it's only one preseason game, folks. Relax. But Trey Regis showed up. He played really, really well. Um, is he is he a budding uh, superstar? And I mean superstar not in the sense of a starter, oh. but a guy who <laughs> who could really be a good change of pace guy who can come in and spell the number one and number two, which is of course, Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake. Is this the guy who finally supplants the injured Jalen Richard in that Raiders backfield? I never thought we would have a show where we're talking about the third running back. <laughs> it, is here, but, it is preseason. It is preseason. But here we are. I actually, I actually think this is an intriguing battle because you just mentioned Jalen Richard out with a foot injury out indefinitely. I think Trey Regis could sneak in and, and get that spot and, and ironically do what Jalen Richard did and go from an undrafted free agent to having a spot in a 50-man roster. Now, he looked pretty good, 62 yards rushing and touchdown. B.J. Edmonds also 45 yards and a touchdown. Gruden did also want to point out that Trey Regis did well in his blocking assignments, 3-for-3 three three on those pickups. So Gruden seemed pleased with Regis, and I think he has a legitimate shot. Uh, to make the roster. Yeah, absolutely. It'll be fun to watch him. And these are the types of things where, you know, a guy can come out and have a great week. And we've seen this with the Raiders over the last four years, actually, a running back that was highly touted and then suddenly found themselves, uh, you know, one of the, one of the final cuts uh, on the street or finding a chance with another team. So we'll have to watch the Trey Regis. Lastly, as we close the book on last week, because it's almost a week ago, uh, but, but on that game against the Seahawks, of course, Nate Peterman in at quarterback, usually an afterthought, right? He's he for some Raider nation in Raider Nation, he's sort of a joke. The people don't understand why Gruden likes him and all that stuff. But what should we take away from his first performance uh, since he got the the majority, the lion's share of the snaps all night? I think it, 
it goes to show you that now Mariota did have an injury coming in. I don't know if he could have played or not. And, of course, Derek Carr was going to play, so we got a heavy dose of Peterman. I don't think it says that, uh, you know, Nate Peterman is definitely going to be on the roster or anything like that. But yeah. he's going to hang around. And, obviously, Gruden likes what he can, likes his potential. Peterman, he reminded people that he's mobile, and I think people forget that. Um, if he can just develop his arm talent and make better decisions with the ball, he did have a pick where he threw a ball kind of late. If he if he can improve in that area, he he's mobile. He can move the pocket, and that's something that Gruden has drilled Carr on through the years. So I think he likes the tools that Peterman has. I know it sounds weird to a lot of people because, as you said, he's, he's a joke to a lot of people. But I honestly believe Gruden likes what he sees in Peterman, likes what he can he could be. I know he's been around the league a little bit, but having some preseason snaps could help him develop a little bit. No doubt. And if you need a guy to come in for a few plays, because, you know, players get shaken up. It's not like you or if you have to miss a week or something like that. And who knows what happens with Marcus Mariota. And he, he himself gets injured a lot. So if he's out and and Peterman's your second quarterback, you got to get him the looks and you got to be able to run the offense at least enough to keep the game moving. Mo and I did about the fact that the Raiders are the first in the NFL to mandate vaccines. And so we bring on... Um, uh, our great folks from Sam and Ash that, of course, is themselves Sam and Ash. They're here to talk with us. Guys, hi. Thanks for being with us here on the first Silver and Black tonight, uh, blasting through uh, Southern California with 50,000 watts. How are you guys doing? Oh, we're great, Scott. How are you? I'm doing well. It's always great to talk to you. You guys have been a supporter of Raider Nation and of this show uh, for a long time, so we certainly appreciate that. So let's jump in uh, for both of you on this one, and we'll start We'll start with you, Ash. Um, the Raiders announced they came out through the first in the NFL to do this, and they used a little bit of the state's mandate of what's been going on, and we heard from Steve Sisolak there in Nevada. Uh, what about this? Do spectators and fans, you know, they, they have to either show up, be vaccinated, vaccinated or get a shot when they're there what about the folks who bought tickets and all that do they have any recourse or are they out of luck if they if they haven't done it and they don't want to do it yeah so uh, mark davis came out and said season ticket holders they will be refunded or not refunded they're able to roll over until 2022 and so if you don't want to get vaccinated or don't want to show up and get jabbed that's an option for you under the raiders scheme i don't other teams aren't doing it the right. the saints have come out they have a little different policy where you're either vaccinated or or you have a negative COVID test, and um, but they're not refunding any ticket sales. So it, I think it's a team-by-team team basis. Yeah, it is, and it's interesting. And I know from watching Raider Nation talk about it, look, let's face it, people are polarized about it. I know some people think it's a no-brainer. You should get the vaccine. There's no question. And there's other people that have reasons. They have medical reasons. They have other reasons they don't want to do it yet. Uh, and Sam, you look at this, and and, and and again, the Raiders being the first. Uh, but, but how this is just another way that people get polarized, isn't it? Because it's such a personal issue, thinking about health care and what you do with your body? Yeah, it's kind of a no-win situation because there's a, obviously there's a group of people on one side that are very uh, pro this. Some people are very against, but here's the interesting statistic. For example, in Nevada, the number is under 50% for, va for uh, vaccinated adults, mm. one or two jabs. And so, you, you know, you're, you're coming out with this policy. Now, the, why has 55% why, why of the population not gotten a vaccine? When you make this policy, you, there's there's a a large group of people out there who are hesitating yeah and so and so there's i think there's going to be a lot of people that are that are unhappy and and what you, you sometimes hear from on social media are all the people who are very pro 
uh, vaccine and 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 want to want to get out of this thing. Uh, think think that this is the easiest way to get out of it. That the but the that the, there's a whole lot of people out there who are going to be left uh, left out in the cold with this. There is again Sam and Ash are guests here and and guys. Let me ask you this question in closing before I let you go. Uh, is the fact that you know we talk about individual rights here infringement on rights. Some people say other people say it's not your right to hurt other people and you need to get vaccinated for that reason. But we've seen the Supreme Court now I think twice and correct me if if it's been more upheld for uh, uphold, excuse me, for example, uh, employers uh, forcing mandates on their employees to come into work and to make sure they're they're vaccinated. Is there any open questions out there around personal rights and healthcare rights around the vaccine, or has that kind of been decided and we don't see much on the horizon? So the thing that I think is the 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 most com- compelling or straightforward way to tackle this is if you if you have a, a medical reason. Uh, if you have a medical reason and under the ADA rules, they need to make a reasonable accommodation. So the, an example would be somebody who, you know, who, who can't get the vaccine for a medical reason, but poses no risk to the, to the, to the, you know, to the event. Um, and I, I heard, I heard one example of, you know, they could set up a section, for example, I mean, I'm not sure if it's practicable, but set up a section for people who are, who are unvaccinated, but you have to make a reasonable accommodation and they're, they're not doing that right now. They're just saying you got to get the vaccine or you don't go. Yeah. I mean, it makes it a lot easier. I know on them and event people, because you can just make, you know, draw that line in the sand and you don't have to worry about other details for people who might have very good reasons for not having the vaccine yet. So Sam, Ash, thank you so much. We'll talk to you again next week and we certainly appreciate you guys being here uh, and make sure you reach out to them if you need help you're in southern california you're in las vegas doesn't matter call them 1-800-304-2000 sam ash have a great week rest of your weekend and your weekend and enjoy some raider football <laughs> likewise scott have Th- a good one thanks scott great to talk to you all right, back to football on the field. And, Mo, we're looking at this game, the Raiders in Los Angeles down at SoFi. You look at what happened last week. You look at what we talked about earlier in the show with the offensive line, what happened with the running game, what we saw out of the defense in particular. Let's start there for a second because I think, you know, earlier in the show we haven't really delved deep into the defense. But there were a few guys, uh, including new additions Nate Hobbs, uh, Darius Phylon, who really came out and played hard. And I, it's good to see that, too, because, Mo, you talked talked about depth on the offensive line this Raiders defense they not only needed depth they needed everything but that's also important you need a rotation of guys especially in that Gus Bradley system as we talked about earlier with Michael Lombardi too what did you see out of those guys that you want to see more of against the Rams tomorrow night I'd like to see more uh pocket pressure ending and resulting in sacks I know as you mentioned Darius Phylon had a pretty good game doesn't show up on the sh- on the stat sheet I know it shows up he's he only had one tackle but if you watch the game he, he really had some pressures and really forced some bad throws so credit to him after not being in the league for two years but I wanted to highlight Hobbs only because a lot of people said they didn't like us Bradley because he doesn't blitz well Hobbs <laughs> just came storming off the edge and sacks the quarterback clobbers Geno Smith and only only got his defense with a sack so shout out to him he did say that his position and a lot of people don't understand this and i talk about this a lot of my articles that the slot position is very hard to play because you are a part linebacker part defensive back right so you're responsible for coverages in the slot but you're also responsible for filling holes in the run defense he talked about that so i'd like to see him uh get into some more plays i remember when lamarcus joiners with the raiders john gruden said lamarcus joiner should be top three on that defense and tackles so 
Hobbs is going to have to be involved. He's going to have to be around the ball a lot. And I, I expect to see that happen. The other thing is Javen White leading the team in tackles. Six tackles, five solo. Uh, he did get nicked up, I believe, at the end of that game. But it was good to see him when you talk about the depth in the linebacker position. Yeah, no doubt. And I mean, think you look at going into this Rams game, you want to see more of that. You want to understand what's happening on that defense and kind of who's going to step up. Uh, and, and they asked Gruden about that on the way to Los Angeles about kind of what they want to see out of this game and, and these practices that they had earlier in the week leading up to the preseason game because the Raiders have been in Los Angeles now for four days and um, getting in that that head toe-to-toe practice against Sean McVay's team. And here's what Gruden said about those practices and again preseason game number two yeah you know it's uh, hopefully the film doesn't get out there you know hopefully <laughs> doesn't get on the internet you know, all over youtube facebook whatever other outlets there are hopefully the video coaches keep it internal but you know we're not going to show everything but we're going to continue to try to get better and you have to prepare yourself for the season and that means you got to do things you're going to do in September so we're, we're going to try to do some of those things against the Rams and I'm sure they will too. Well there you go Mo I mean obviously this team remember this year down to three preseason games everybody hates preseason games so to speak in some ways we all love it and we hate it um, but with this one you only have three games to get ready so the Raiders now going in to their second game against the Rams at SoFi tomorrow night they have a lot to learn uh, but you're not going to show too much you know I had some friends texting me during the last game saying man this looks so vanilla what's going on i said it's preseason you're not going to show too much on the field are you mo absolutely not you're not going to empty the empty the docket this early and and as you, as we talked about today you're not going to see a lot of stars so yeah you know, what you're doing is you're experimenting see what works see what doesn't work you're tweaking things is is basically an extension of training camp practices against another football team in, in, a, in a live setting so you're not going to see too much you're going to see a lot of vanilla schemes Minus a, a, a slot cornerback blitz from Gus Bradley, but you're just going to see a lot of, of, of vanilla, uh, just basic, basic schemes out there. Nothing, nothing complex. At what we saw last week against the Seahawks, now coming into tomorrow's game in Los Angeles against the Rams, uh, who are a couple players that you thought, boy, man, they really need to up their game. They really need to show something these final two games uh, to, to maybe solidify a roster spot or to show at least uh, – uh, the coaches that look, I deserve a shot at starting or I deserve a shot at playing time. For me, it's still Damon Arnett because Damon Arnett had some nice coverages against the Seahawks, but then he also missed tackles. And so I think even though he's on that longer contract and he's not going to get cut, I do think he's got to show up in a big, big way to make sure that if he wants to play more time, he's going to have to show those coaches uh, a little more than he did against the Seahawks last week. Yeah, I definitely agree there. You mentioned uh, the missed tackle because I believe he was going for, for the ball on the play, but he, he's definitely behind Casey Hayward. He's got to show up if he wants to get in the rotation, maybe in some dime packages, get some uh, snaps in that, in that alignment. But I'm looking at Tanner Muse. And we oh, didn't mention Muse. And he, and he did say, he did say he, he liked what he saw and they moved him around. Uh, I, I believe I saw a play where he, he may have been out of place. But it, this is a guy that can get some snaps in the strong side linebacker position. 
I know it's not a, it's not a it's not a position you're going to see a lot of snaps because Raiders mostly playing nickel, but he can carve out a small role if he shows up in the next preseason game and and impresses Gruden that coaching staff. Yeah, I th- again, rotation guy and Gruden when asked about him at the press conference earlier in the week, uh, lo- you know, really applauded him for playing good special teams. And I think that that's uh, <laughs> no, and it's true though. But your special teams, but then you're also going to come into your point. You're gonna you're gonna play some spots and you're gonna play some downs. They don't get in their base offense very often, so I, I think his opportunity is less than some people think it is, but nonetheless, we'll have to see. But the game, we'll find out, Mo, uh, tomorrow night. And again, uh, we thank you for being with here. Of course, you got to follow Mo. Mo, again, writes about the NFL, including the Raiders, at BleacherReport.com, so make sure you check out his stuff. Follow him on Twitter, at Mo, M-O-E, M-O-T-O-N. You can follow me as well, at LV Gully. Don't forget, check out VegasSportsToday.com, where you can find all Raider Nation news as well as all Las Vegas sports news. Mo, we'll catch you next week, my man. Thanks. Great show. All right. Appreciate you. Appreciate you all listening to us on Mario 1090. Hope you come back for more and hope we have more good news about the offensive line and the Rangers defense. <laughs> there you go. For Mo, I'm Scott Branson. and thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time, Southern California. Thank you for joining us. Please catch Silver and Black tonight, every Friday at 6 p.m. on the Mightier 1090 AM. SoCal Sports Talk. Scott Branson here from Silver and Black tonight, Mightier 1090. Are you on your way to have a fun time in Las Vegas? Well, if for some crazy reason you get injured in either California or Nevada, what happens in Vegas doesn't need to stay in Vegas. Salmon Ash Injury Lawyers are the people's attorneys and experts in both states. People, choose the right lawyer. Salmon Ash have an impeccable track record, huge wins for accident victims, and always take your case all the way, even across state lines. They care. They help you win. The ones to trust have hurt in any sort of accident. Sam and Ash Injury Law. That's 1-800-304-2000. That's 1-800-304-2000 or salmonashlaw.com.